Welcome to Orchard Community Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We are glad you are here to learn, grow, and deepen your relationship with Christ. This week's message is brought to you by Pastor Matt Hoyt. There was a woman who was in the airport and she was doing what we do. She'd been through TSA and she was just waiting around until the time came for her plane to begin boarding. She was sitting in the seats as you do, reading the newspaper, and she had bought uh, one of those little packs of cookies, six or eight of them. Um, It was going to be her treat on the plane because, you know, you have to pay for those things now. She had a kind of a sweet tooth, and so she was looking forward to this treat. So she began reading her paper, and she noticed after a minute that the guy sitting across from her was eating a cookie. That kind of caught her attention, and she looked down, and to her amazement, he had opened her package of cookies and taken one and started eating it. And she was just absolutely flabbergasted by this, the audacity of this man. Those cookies were her property. She owned them. What on earth did he think he was doing eating them? And she wasn't sure exactly what to do about it, this encroachment into her rights. But and so that he wouldn't eat all of her cookies, she decided to send him a message and to mark her territory So she reached over and took one of her cookies and started eating it, thought maybe he would, like I said, get the message from that. Well, he didn't. He continued to eat the cookies. And she was just so infuriated by this that after a little while, she finally reached down and she just grabbed all but one of the cookies and she ate them up because she wasn't going to let this guy take all of her cookies. And then the most amazing thing happened. He reached down and he took the last cookie, but before he did, he broke it in half and he left the other half for her and he ate it. And she was so livid. She just was beside herself. So she grabbed the package of cookies and she got up and she stormed off and she crammed that uh, package of cookies in her purse. And it was only then that she made a very startling discovery because in her purse she found her package of cookies. (laughs) And of course, she was completely and utterly mortified. Now, one of the things we're going to be talking about this morning is ownership. And ownership seems like a really simple subject, doesn't it? What's mine is mine, period. End of subject, right? Should be that simple. But a story like this reminds us that it's easier than we might think to get confused about who actually owns what from time to time in this life. Well, this morning we're starting a new series of messages called Greatly Gifted. And this is our stewardship series for this year. Stewardship is kind of an old churchy word, and I am not a fan generally of old-time church speak. I don't think that it's helpful for us. But the word stewardship is actually an old word that has real value. It's worth hanging on to. The word stewardship comes from the word steward, and a steward in biblical times was a manager that was put in charge of managing a person's property or estates or their financial matters. And so biblical stewardship that that comes from that word steward, stewardship, biblical stewardship is the understanding That everything that we have, and in fact, everything that we are, is a gift from God. 
and when we understand that, it, it changes fundamentally how we understand ourselves and our lives. Because what it means is that everything really belongs to God. And that our call then, because it belongs to God and not us, our call shifts. And our call is to be good stewards, to be good managers of the things that God has gifted us with, to take care of them, to use them wisely, and of course, to be generous and to give because God is generous and gives so generously. And as we talk about stewardship this year, we're going to be focusing especially on the fact that, that all of us have been so greatly gifted by God. God is incredibly, incredibly generous and has blessed us with so many things with our lives, with our gifts and talents, with our friends and our families, and all of the things that we have. And so often we seem to really take that for granted and to take these things in our lives that we've been gifted with, to take these people in our lives that we've been gifted with somewhat for granted I mean, when was the last time that you said to God, thank you, God, for my life? What an incredible gift it is. I'm grateful. When was the last time you said, thank you, God, for my home, whether it is big or small, Lord, thank you that I have a place to live. Some don't. Thank you, God, for that blessing. When was the last time you said, thank you, God, for your friends or your family? When was the last time that you said, thank you, God, for this man, for this woman who is my spouse, this blessing that you have put into my life, Lord? I'm so grateful. Thank you for my children, Lord, for my friends, for this church. It is so easy for us without intending to not seeking to slight anyone per se but to take for granted the incredible incredible blessings that we have in this life and we want to remember that especially with thanksgiving coming this is a great time of year for us to just slow down and to get back in tune with just how greatly gifted we indeed are, and that's the, one of the things that we want to do with this series. So today we want to begin by focusing on one of the most basic challenges that we have when it comes to stewardship, to managing well all the things that God has gifted us with, and that really begins, as I said, with understanding ownership, with understanding how easy it is for us to forget or to can get confused about what we have or think we have, like that woman did with those cookies. Because as people of faith, whether we're in that category or we're considering it, people of faith, we understand that everything belongs to God. That he's an incredibly generous God who has greatly gifted us with all that we have and all that we are and all that we need. This is going to be our focus this morning. So pray with me, friends. 
Lord, we pray that you'd be at work this morning as we look at your scripture, Lord. Work deeply in our hearts because there are, are dark things that linger in our hearts like greed and pride that confuse us when it comes to ownership and distort our vision of you and of the world and of what stewardship really means for us. And so we pray, Lord, that your clarifying word would speak truth into our hearts and minds this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at our first passage this morning. This is Psalm 24. We're just going to look at the first two verses. This psalm is about the kingship of God. It's one of the psalms of David. And I want us to remember uh, that David was the greatest king in the history of Israel, that the Bible calls David, despite his flaws, which were many, the Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. And so David is the writer of the psalm, and as a writer of that credential, I just want us to remember that this is a person who knew God deeply. This is God's word, and it's written, in this case, by a man who knew God deeply. And so there's a richness uh, here for us as we read these words. This psalm uh, has three uh, different parts to it about different aspects of God's kingship. Today we're just going to look at the first one, which is verses 1 and 2. And remember that psalms uh, are actually ancient songs. The the psalms are the songbook of the ancient church. And so there's a a poetic and a a rhythmic uh, nature to them as, as I read these words. Listen to this. It says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Listen again. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. So David begins by identifying God as the owner of the world, stating that the earth is the Lord's. It belongs to him. It's his property. He owns it. It's not ours. And with that next phrase, David clarifies, not just the world, is it? He says it's everything in it. Everything in it belongs to him as well. This is one of the foundational truths of our faith, and yet it's one that so often people of faith seem to forget or seem to become confused about. We get things, and we feel proud of them, and that's okay. There's a good kind of pride, especially if we've worked hard for something. But then a lot of times we move across this line, uh, healthy pride, into selfish pride. And when we do that, we forget that it all really belongs to God. We forget that all the cookies really belong to him. Now, as verse 1 continues, we see some parallelism, which is a common feature of Hebrew poetry, or in this case, songwriting. And here David reiterates the first line in a slightly different way. He begins with a synonym for earth. In this case, he says, the world belongs to the Lord. But then he offers a slightly different second phrase. And the second phrase is that all who live in it. And this is in order to highlight that when it says that God owns everything, it doesn't just mean the things. It means the living things, the, the, the people, the animals as well. And so in this way, David is clarifying and, and making it crystal clear that nothing is left out of this. Everything means everything and everyone. God owns it all, including us. 
So verse 2, David begins to explain, well, why is it, in fact, that God is the owner of everything? And he says, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters, that parallelism again. And so David is referring here to the creation story, to Genesis, to God's formation of the world when he created the land and divided it from the seas. He's reminding us of who God is. He's the creator. And he wants to highlight that fact for us, that God is the owner of everything because he created it. He made it. We are not the architects of this universe, of this world. We are not the builders of it. He is. And so it belongs to him all of it. Now, you might be thinking, well, well, wait a minute, Pastor, wait a minute. I mean, I work hard for the things that I have, and you want to tell me that they don't really belong to me, that they belong to God? How is that so? How is that right? How can that be when I did it? I put my blood and sweat and tears into it. I did this. Well, that may be true. In some respects, especially if you did put long hours into what you have gained and built. But you need to remember first that it's God who even created you. You wouldn't even be here to do whatever it is that you do if God hadn't first given you this life. And not only did God give you this life, God then has given you the strength and the talent to do whatever it is that you do. Listen to the words of, of Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18. It says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as he did today. So whatever we earn or make is only possible because God was first at work in our lives, giving us the ability to even do those things. And this is such an important place for us to start with this foundational, fundamental understanding of the fact that it all really does belong to God. So let's look at our, our second scripture today. This is James 1, verses 17 and 18. Now the book of James is written by James, the brother of Jesus. So we can imagine that the brother of Jesus probably knew a thing or two. <laughs> Another insightful author for us to turn to. So James says this, uh, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all creation. So this verse comes as a part of a passage in which James is talking about temptation. And one of the things about temptation is that temptation is deceptive. Temptation has this remarkable ability to make what is not good for us seem like it is. 
That is one of the, just the remarkable abilities of temptation. And so what James is doing in the middle of this passage is he's contrasting God with that. He's saying, unlike temptation that appears to be good but isn't, God actually is good. God actually is what he claims to be. And not only is he good, but part of what that means is that he is the giver of all good gifts. So all the good things that we have in this life are from God. It all belongs to him, so where else would it come from? All the good gifts that we have in this life come from God. They belong to him, but he has gifted them to us. God is incredibly generous, and we are truly blessed to be so greatly gifted by him. Now notice that James refers to God as the father of heavenly lights. James is doing here just what David did. He's referring to creation. David referred to God's creation of the land and the sea. James is referring here to God creating the light. But what both of them are doing is, again, pointing to the fact that God is the creator of it all. And so that we can be assured that it all belongs to him. But then James goes a step further and he reminds us of something important about God's fundamental nature. And what he reminds us here is that God doesn't change in his fundamental nature. And that is incredible news. Because we know that God is good, and what James is saying is that we know that God will continue to be good. And that God will continue to give us good gifts. God will continue to be the amazing rock on which we can stand in this life. You remember the words of the great hymn, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. God is that rock for us. Well, verse 18, James lifts up one more uh, gift that we've been given. He says, God has chosen to give us birth through his word. So James is talking about birth, but he's not talking about our physical birth as babies. He's talking about our spiritual birth. He's talking about how when we come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we understand that he died for our sins and we put our our faith in him and we ask him to come into our hearts and our lives that we're changed, that we're transformed, that we are reborn as a new creation. It's like we're a new person. Spiritually, we become spiritually alive. This fantastic thing happens inside of us. So James is is talking about the gift of faith. Yeah, even our faith is a gift. We can't take credit for that. I have faith. I did this thing. No, all I did was receive yet another gift that God has given to me. Another fantastic gift that God has given given to me, so important to receive. And notice that James then says 
that our rebirth by faith causes us to become a kind of first fruits of all creation. And, and that's kind of a, maybe a, a hard phrase to understand, but first fruits were, were kind of the best of the harvest. And what he means is that when our lives are transformed, when, when we give our hearts to Jesus and we're changed and we start to live our lives for God, we begin to to create a, a harvest in the world for God, a good harvest. We begin to live for him and particularly to do good things in the world in his names. And so God reaps a harvest of those good things that we do in his name. But I want us to remember something about the good that we do. And the good that we do is good, but Ephesians 2.10 says something really important. It says that all the good works we do, do you remember the line, were prepared in advance for us by God. So even the good things that we do were engineered by God. We're just going along with his plan for our lives. We wouldn't really be able to do them or maybe even think of it without God having set that plan out before us. Even the good works we do in a way are a gift from him. So again, it all belongs to God. All that we have, all that we are, our faith, even the good things that we do, it all belongs to him, and yet he has gifted us so greatly and repeatedly again and again and again, and he continues to do so. I wanted to lift up one more gift before we move on, and that gift is, uh, remember in our first verse there, it said, the earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's. One of the great gifts that God has given us is this planet that we live on. A gift that we're not just to enjoy, which we certainly should, but it's one that we're also to take care of. And so I wanted to lift up that point this year as a part of our understanding of stewardship. Now, I know ecology is something that can become political at points, and we're not going to do that. But I think that we can all agree that the earth is a gift that we should take care of and that there are things that each one of us can do to be a part of doing that. We can all recycle. We can all try to make less use of uh, single-use items and more use of reusable items. We can all try to conserve things, especially like water, which is in such short supply here in Southern California. So remembering that the earth is a gift that we should take care of is a part of our stewardship. And living here in Ventura by the beach, living on the ocean, I think one of the things that we might be most in tune with is how much our beaches and our ocean become polluted by trash and, and human lack of, of caring for our environment. And that's something too that we can do something about. So as a part of this kind of ecological piece of our stewardship series this year. We're going to have an opportunity to do something about that. You can find in your bulletin and online that on November 12th, we're going to be a part of a beach cleanup led by Joy Riley. She works with Surfrider and to set this up for us, we're going to do a, a beach cleanup for a couple of hours just to do a, a, a little good work for the environment, for the world that we live in and walk the beaches and just pick up trash and try to uh, be a part of, of taking care of the earth that we have been gifted with. So these ideas that we're talking about this morning, the idea that it all belongs to God, 
and the idea that we have been so greatly gifted. These are foundational biblical principles, and they're not hard to understand, but what they can be is challenging for us to live. It's a constant challenge for us to receive the gifts that we get from God and to stop, not start thinking and acting like they really do belong to us. It's a challenge for us to receive the gifts that we get from God repeatedly and to not slip into taking them for granted, to taking the gifts for granted, and to taking the, the, the giver for granted. And, and when we do that, when we fall into those traps, it leads to trouble, real trouble in our lives. But if we can keep our eyes focused on the fact that it all belongs to God, that we're not the owners of it, but that we've been gifted by God and that our goal is then to take care of the gifts that we've been entrusted with, that leads us to good things. And I want to lift up five ways this morning as we close where we can really see that that is true. So the first is this, knowing that all things belong to God guards our hearts against pride. Knowing that all things truly belong to God guards our hearts against pride. And pride is an incredibly, incredibly destructive force in this world and in our lives. Uh, Proverbs uh, 16, 18 says pride comes before a fall. It can also be translated pride comes before destruction or pride comes before a disaster. And the reason is because that selfish pride so often leads to, to bad things. And a key source of much of our selfish, ugly pride is the money that we make, is the things that we have, is the gifts and talents that we've been entrusted with. And these things, especially when we have a lot of them, they can begin to affect us. And when that pride seeps into our souls, it begins to make us think that we're better than other people, that we are more important to them. It creates in us a sense of entitlement that we should have things the way that, that we think that they should be. They can even blind us to our need for God by making us believe that we have life all figured out. But when we know in our hearts that it all belongs to God and that everything we have has been gifted to him, when we, when we truly know that, we're a lot less likely to be prideful. Because we know that we don't own it. We know that we're just taking care of it, that we're grateful to have it in this life. Easier to let go of that pride. It tends to humble us and to remind us that we're not, in fact, different than anyone else because all any of us are is recipients of God's great gifting. So knowing that it all belongs to God guards our hearts against pride. Now, knowing that it all belongs to God also guards our hearts against greed. And greed, just like pride, is a very destructive force in this life. In Luke 12, 15, Jesus said this. He said, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. So what is life about if it's not about all the stuff? 
If it's not about how much money we have and how much stuff we have, what is life all about? Well, if you look deeply into the scriptures, there's an answer there. And the answer is that life is truly about relationships. It's about our relationship with God, knowing and loving and living for him. And it's about our relationships with one another. Jesus said the greatest commandment was to love God. And the second was to love your neighbor as yourself. He really summed up the truth of that statement. So life is about relationships, but greed causes us to value things and money over people. It does. And it's so destructive in that way. Greed can lead us to make earning money and getting things more important than spending time with the people we love. It can ruin marriages. It can starve our children of affection and time with us. Greed can uh, destroy our loyalty and our integrity. It can cause us to turn our backs on people. It can cause us to sell people out to get what we want. Greed can twist our thinking so badly that we begin to, th- to value money and possessions over things like love, over things like friendship, over things even like family. I have seen money tear apart families again and again and again. And, and you'd say to yourself, I'd never let that happen. And yet it happens. Number one thing that couples argue about, money. Greed can also have a terrible spiritual impact on us. In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said this. He said, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. Greed pulls us away from God and blinds us to our need for him. 1 Timothy 6.10 sums up the devastating effects of greed in this way. It says, The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs because that's what greed can do to us. But when we know in our hearts, when we truly know in our hearts that it actually all belongs to God, and that whatever I have in whatever amount has been gifted to me by Him, it le- helps me to let go of that greedy hunger. It helps us to have the proper perspective on what is truly valuable in this life. Relationships, our relationship with God, our relationships with one another. Now, number three, knowing that it all belongs to God frees us to enjoy our possessions instead of having them possess us. Did you ever know someone who had something so nice that they didn't want to use it? Do you remember, I I had someone I knew who used to do this, they they had uh, the plastic coatings over their couches back in the day. So nice, you can't actually sit on it. You you ever sit on a plastic-coated couch in the summer? Oh, It's so uncomfortable, right. Did you ever know somebody who had something so nice that when they did use it, they just worried about it the whole time? Like a guy who has a classic car, but whenever he takes it out, he's worried about a bug or a raindrop or a handprint so much so that he never really actually fully enjoys the thing that he has. And there's a real issue with the fact that our possessions can begin to possess us. They can have an inordinate control over how we think and what we do and rob us from even the enjoyment that we may get from those things. But when we lose sight of that from time to time, 
But when we truly know that in our hearts that everything belongs to God and that it all we have as a gift, it helps us to loosen our grip on things. It, it doesn't really belong to me anyways. And we can relax. Begin to enjoy the things that God has given us more fully. For when we know that it all belongs to God, it helps us to know just how generous God is. I mean, when you know that every good thing I have in this life comes from God, James says that, that every good gift we have comes from God. When we know that, we only then do we see the incredible generosity of God. And we should never forget that God's incredible generosity led him to even give up his son for us. His most prized possession, Jesus, Jesus God gave even that. He made that unimaginable sacrifice for us. And when we know that, when we know that it all belongs to God and that everything that we have is a gift from him, when we know how much he's given for us, when we know how much he's given to us, it touches our hearts so deeply. But the only response is gratitude. And people of faith know that. And yet we also know how easy it is to lose sight of that. To take the giver and the gifts for granted in total or in part. And we don't want to do that. So I want to encourage all of us in this season of Thanksgiving to take some time to stop and to focus on the blessings we have and not take them for granted to thank God for them. Maybe thank the, the people you love in your life in a special way for what a blessing they are. Then the real truth is that a grateful heart is a happy heart. You sit around and just spend some time being grateful and see what kind of a mood you're in. It's true. It's another gift that God gives to us. Last thing, knowing that it all belongs to God makes it easier for us to give and to use what we have for God's glory. When we truly know in our hearts that it actually belongs to God and not to us and that whatever we have is a gift and we know how generous God is, the natural response is to want to be like the giver and to give gifts ourselves and to emulate his generosity in the world and to use the things that we have to bring glory to him. So may we live as people who know these truths, that God is indeed the owner of all things and that we have been greatly gifted. Amen.